0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. Ephesians chapter 1. I'll tell you, this has been a real week for me. Uh, You know I'm not hyper-Calvinist. I'm hyperactive, and I have trimmed hedges and cut down trees and uh, did yard work to uh, feel like I got sinus problems this morning, so I'm not sick. I'm just uh, a little clogged up, so pray for me. And if you've ever preached, Uh, You know that every preacher needs prayer, but especially when he's preaching to about one, two, three, four, five, six people. But you know something I just saw online, uh, that there's 66 households that are watching, and that is probably more than I'd normally preach to, so I'm thrilled that um, you are tuned in this morning, and uh, we're praying that we'll be back together because there's nothing like fellowship. Don't get used to this. Because I'm telling you what, there's nothing like being in person, amen, being in person and having having that that, uh, sweet fellowship one with another in the Lord, amen. Now we're echoing a little bit, uh, it's for obvious reasons, so please listen very closely and I hope you'll get your Bible, uh, tune everything out, uh, tie the children to the couch and listen, amen, and uh, let's uh, get something out of the Word of God. I had 46 messages I pulled from the past. I got about 1,000 or two in my file cabinet, and the Lord wouldn't let me preach any of them, and he gave me a new message Friday morning on some things the virus or any tribulation can never take from us. Some things the virus or tribulation, any tribulation, can never take from us. And Before I start preaching, I would really be amiss if I didn't wish my dear wife, Uh, Happy anniversary tomorrow. We were going to go somewhere, but now we're not going anywhere, but we're going to have a special dessert and a candlelight supper and celebrate 46 years of marriage. And I'm going to tell you something. My wife is a gem, and she is a blessing, and I appreciate her so much and appreciate the 46 years that we've had together in the ministry. When we moved here several years ago, uh, we moved in a cattle truck, and everything we had was in that cattle truck And she never complained. And we lived in a little two-room apartment over on West Crawford Street. She never complained. She was with me all the way, and I appreciate a great wife like that. And uh, I hope she has a good, happy anniversary uh, tomorrow. I think I'll cook out for her. Amen. And then since last Sunday, we've had two saved in our church. We thank God for Abby, and we thank God for uh, little Oliver being saved. And it's just a blessing to hear about people getting saved since last Sunday morning. Uh, and it's just a blessing, so God's still blessing. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read the entire chapter. The Bible, and you don't have to stand at home. You can you can, you can, can just do anything you want to. Just listen, get the Word of God. Uh, brother Mark, Brother Randy standing, and Brother Jason, and the media men, they always stand. Praise God. But look at verse 1. It says, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, that's a key word in this chapter, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And those three words are even more key. We're in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace, always grace before peace, from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, here it is again, in Christ. According to as he has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us into the adoption of the children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory. I want you underline that, to the praise of his glory, of his grace, wherein he hath made us acceptable accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through the blood and the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mysteries of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him and whom we all have obtained inheritance and inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now here's the phrase again, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, and whom also trusted after that he heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest... Of an inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. And now Paul begins to pray. And what a wonderful prayer this is. It says, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love unto all saints, now listen, cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. How would you like to be on that prayer list? That the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may given to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know that what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of his glory and the inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at, the, his, at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities, and powers, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in the world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to God, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all and in all. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful chapter. Couldn't leave out a verse, dear God, and I hope I'll have time to to uh, cover the whole chapter, but Lord, thank You for the truth that there's some things, especially tribulation, that we can never be separated from. And one is, Lord, Your love. And we thank You, God, that You still love us. And God, I pray that you take care of us. Lord, guard our, our flock as, as they're away, and I pray, our Lord G- Jesus, You'd even draw us closer to You during this time of crisis. Lord, please be with our President, Uh, God, be with this um, special committee, this uh, task force uh, of scientists and experts, God. But Lord, we know everything depends upon Thee. And Lord, this has happened for a reason. And Lord, we pray to God that we would not waste this tribulation, but we'd gain wisdom and we'd grow closer to You. And God, that You'd send a great awakening and a revival of how much we need You. So Lord, encourage Your flock today. And all that's listening, and we'll praise you and thank you for using this message. In Jesus' name, amen. I was preaching a message some years back, I believe it was um, Brother Darrell Cox's mother had just passed away with cancer, and I believe he sent me this, uh, this little thought, this great thought, about things cancer cannot rob us of. And it's by Constant Lynn, and it says, Cancer is so limited. It cannot cripple love. It cannot shatter hope. It cannot corrode faith. It cannot eat away peace. It cannot destroy confidence. It cannot kill friendship. It cannot shut out memories. It cannot silence courage. And it cannot reduce eternal life. And it cannot quench the Spirit. So I want to give you four or five things this morning about some things that this virus... These, this time of tribulation, any tribulation, cannot rob us of. Number one, of our divine purpose. Look in verse 4. The Bible says this. It says, According to his chosen us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Look at verse 6. It says, To the praise of His glory, of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the beloved. Look at verse 12. It says that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. And verse 14 says this, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchase of possessions unto the praise of his glory. I hope you can get it, and I think repetition is uh, sometimes the best teacher, that we are created, Isaiah 43, 7, for his glory. But as these verses says, we're created unto the praise of his glory. You know, we are to be like Jesus, amen? That ought to be the goal of our life, is to be like Jesus. And anything and everything that happens in our life is to make us more conformed to His image, amen? Why Christians have trouble? It's always for the conforming to His image, Romans eight 29. I'll get that in just a minute. But we need to be like Jesus, and I believe Jesus summarized His whole life on the cross, on the seven things that he said. Number one, in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I believe we ought to live a life of forgiveness. Amen? I want to tell you something. Bitterness will eat your lunch. And there's a lot of people bitter because their job's down. They're bitter because uh, they can't uh, watch the ACC tournament or the March Madness. It's the end of the world. God's knocked out some gods. Amen? And I want to tell you something. Some people are bitter because they're not making money and I want to tell you something, we don't need to get bitter during this crisis. We need to get better. And we need to forgive others when they offend us. And then number two, I believe it's a life of compassion. In Luke chapter 23, that same chapter, uh, he looks at a thief. I mean a dying thief right next to him. And he, and he says, um, uh, f- he looked at him and said, Father, uh, remember me when thou comest into thy in kingdom. And he said, today shall you be with me in paradise. He's reaching out to a soul while he's dying for our soul. And I want to tell you something, friend. If you want to be like Christ, number one, you need to have a life of forgiveness. And then you need to have a life of compassion. You know, this is not about us. We're all upset about us, but I want to tell you something. We ought to have compassion for the whole world, even China, amen, and Italy and Spain. Many of our missionaries are there in harm's way and uh, they have nothing to shop for. We just got to, a message from our missionary down in columbia and they've uh put everybody on lockdown they can't even go to the grocery store except once a week and uh folks we ought to have compassion and compassion drives these missionaries like my daughter and son-in-law in south africa to go and brother mark's uh children and and several uh that we know uh so so personally brother jeremy and brother kevin and brother steve to the to the prisons uh, friend, listen, we need to have compassion to go to the lost and to reach out to the lost if we're going to be like Christ. Number three, uh, it's a life of loving others, especially our family. Look at John chapter 19 real quick. John chapter 19, I'll just summarize this, but you know the story. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said to the, the mother, woman, behold thy son. He was taking care of his mother on the cross. And I will to tell you something. This time of quarantine, this time of exile, this time that some people feel like it's the end times, and it very well could be, because in the end times there'll be pestilence, malignant disease without cure in the tribulation. But folks, this will either make or break your family. You know, amen. I'm going to tell you something. There's some people right now that are fighting and fussing every day. There's some people that are just uh, just tired of each other. Amen. They just want to get out of the house because they don't want to endure uh, what's going on in their home. But I want to tell you something. This time ought to be a time where we renew our love, and this is a time that we ought to be like Christ towards our children and towards each other. And folks, I want to tell you something. Uh, I've had a great time uh, being with my wife, and I'll tell you what. It's been a good. It's been a good rest. I'm 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 ready to go now, and I'm ready to get out. I even put a puzzle together, which was a miracle with my wife, because I do not sit still long enough to do a puzzle. But I want to tell you something, we've had a wonderful time. Had a good time of prayer and just a wonderful time together. And I love her so much. But a life of loving others is Christ-like. And then a life of hating sin. In Matthew 27, verse 46, he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Folks, sin separated our lovely Son from His Father in heaven and folks, he became sin who knew no sin that you might be made the righteous of God in him, 2 Corinthians five twenty-one. And I want to tell you something, friend. We should hate sin. We ought, to not, we ought to love the sinner, every sinner, but we ought to hate sin if we're going to be like Christ. Then we need to have a life that's thirsty for God. He said in John 19, 28, I thirst. But I don't think it's just physical thirst. I think he thirsts for the glory of God. I think he thirsts for being with God. And I want to tell you something, this ought to make us thirsty For church. It ought to make us thirsty for worship. We ought to be more thirsty for, uh, uh, for being with God's people than ever before, amen? But most of all, during this crisis, we ought to have a thirst for God. We ought to have a thirst for his presence. And I want to tell you something. I believe God is getting our attention. And I'm saying all of America and all the world. One little germ can put a halt to everything. And I want to tell you something. I believe it teaches us we need God. But it also teaches us that nothing can separate us from the love of God, the will of God, and our very purpose, and that's to glorify God. Then also we see he said, into, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Or excuse me, uh, he, uh, he, he said, uh, I thirst, or it is finished, excuse me, in Luke uh, John chapter 19 verse 30. He had a life of faithfulness. Not only did he thirst for God, but he, and for his will and his glory. But he had a life of faithfulness. You don't want to be like Christ? Finish right. Be faithful. Hey, be faithful in season out of season. Be faithful when it's not easy to be faithful. Hey, this is not. This is not easy. This is not easy preaching to a, an empty sanctuary. And I'm not calling you folks empty. We got seven here. Amen. But I want to tell you something, folks. It's tough to be away from your church. It's tough uh, to stay in the house. It's tough to be out of work. It's tough to. Uh, not have the things that you get so used to. And I want to tell you something, the faithful miss church a whole lot. The unfaithful, they don't miss church too much because they're not used to being here anyway. We ought to be faithful. This ought to drive us to our knees, but it ought to drive us to faithfulness. If you're going to be like Christ, you need to be faithful. And folks, your purpose in life is to be like Christ. And then there's a life of submission. He said, Into, my, uh, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Luke twenty three forty six. He was entrusting everything to God. He was entrusting the suffering, the pain, the the tribulation of the cross for you. And folks, I want to tell you something. You're like Jesus when you submit. And no, this is not easy to submit uh, to uh, what we know is best, and that's not meat. But folks, I want to tell you something. we're going to be like Christ, we need to submit. We need to be Humble enough to say I don't have all the answers I don't know I don't know uh, all this going on but I'll just submit to authority uh, s- submit to leadership and folks listen if you're going to be like Christ you need to entrust everything to God and submit your life to him and so folks there's freedom and fulfillment in being in God's will The one thing the first thing in this in this sermon that that the virus cannot Uh, knock you out of and that's the will of God if you'll yield to his will and that you'll praise and be uh, one that praises him and glorifies him with a yielded life Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5 having predestined us the adoption of children by Christ Jesus to himself according to the good pleasure of his will I want to tell you something in the will of God is fulfillment. In the will of God is freedom. Some people think they're restricted being in the will of God. You're more free in the will of God than you are out of the will of God. And by the way, you're immortal until God's finished with you in the will of God. Amen? And I want to tell you something. There's fulfillment in the good pleasure of His will. I'd rather be in the will of God any day. And folks, I want to tell you something. Even if it's cloudy days and, and days of pain and agony... I love Romans chapter 8, verse 28. But I say it all the time, you should never read Romans 8.28 unless you notice what's in Romans 8.29. The Bible says, For we know. Now, folks, we don't know much, but we ought to know Him. Amen? And we don't know all this uh, the future, but we know God holds the future. But it says, For we know. And I love that, that we know that God knows, and that's the fear of God. But Romans 8.28, turn turn there with me real quick. It says. <clears throat> and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God to them that are called according to his purpose. And this is this. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That has nothing to do with salvation, Calvinist. I want to tell you what that says. It says that when you're saved, you are predestined, foreordained, to be like Christ. And God uses everything together to make us more like Christ. So we ought to rejoice in this fact. The virus cannot, and maybe it can even be used. It can be used. This crisis in America, this crisis, the pandemic around the world can be used to conform us to him. And we can have a great awakening that we need him. We need God. We need uh, uh, not to be so self-sufficient and self-reliant and shake our little fist at God and say, we got this, God. No, we ain't got it. Only God knows what this is going to lead to. But I want to tell you something, friend. We need to trust God in every situation in life. All things work together. I'll never forget the story of a man that was praying at the altar. And he was praying an unusual prayer. He prayed, dear God, and he'd shake his head like he's choking. And he said, I hate Lord. And then he'd shake his head like he was choking on it. And then he'd say, dear Lord, I hate buttermilk. My daddy used to uh, drink buttermilk uh, and put cornbread in it. And I thought, man, I'm not going to eat anything that clabbers. Amen. Woo, not me, brother. I like, I like chocolate milk or sweet milk or uh, Diet Pepsi or something, but not buttermilk. But I sure love buttermilk in other, other, other times. I'll get to that in just a minute. The Lord, he hated. Then he prayed out loud, Lord, I hate baking soda and I hate flour. Wouldn't it be awful to have some flour, just a, uh, a cup of it, put in your mouth? And he went on and and, uh, mentioned other ingredients, but I want to tell you something. He then began to cry after everybody else had moved to the other side of the altar because they thought he was a nut, and you would too. And he said, Hey, uh, Lord, but I sure love homemade biscuits. And I'm going to tell you something. God works everything together. He's the master shelf. Say amen. He's the one that's got his hand on the thermometer here, on the oven. Uh, Praise God. And I'm going to tell you something. You need to realize this, that God can work all things together for you to be like him to the praise of his glory. Then number two, he cannot rob us. uh, This this tribulation, this crisis, this virus, uh, this worldwide epidemic or pandemic cannot rob us of the power of God, the power of God. Folks, we still have the power of prayer. In this chapter, one of the greatest prayers ever written, or ever uh, spoken to a a people in the book of of Riches, He, he begins to pray in verse 15. But before he begins to pray, he states the whole purpose of the book, and that's verse three of chapter one. He said, blessed, you with me now? Get your Bible out. Amen. Don't be distracted at home. Get that Bible out. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Folks, he's blessed us. If he never gives us another day of health, he's blessed us. He saved our soul. And folks, there's power. There's power in God's blessing. Turn to verse 14, same chapter. It says, Which is the earnest of our inheritance, unto the redemption and the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory, which is the earnest. And he's talking about being sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Folks, earnest, the last time I checked, means down payment. And folks, we can have a down payment of heaven, a heavenly purpose, a heavenly peace, folks, a heavenly power, most important of all, a heavenly presence in our life through the Holy Spirit. And so folks, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, God's working all things together for us to fulfill our purpose of being in God's will, glorifying God, praising God, and being praised unto Him by being like Him. And then number two, that we have the power of God and nothing can separate us from the power of His Spirit, of His love. The power of yielding to the Spirit. It's the earnest of heaven. It's the down payment of heaven. Heavenly purpose, heavenly peace, and then look at the description of the power in verse 19. You with me? Ephesians 1 now. It says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, Who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. We have the power of the resurrection and the power of the ascension. We have the power of God towards us. We have the power of of the resurrection in our life. Don't say you can't live the Christian life. Say you won't live the Christian life. And folks, it's so important that we live the Christian life in his power, for his glory, in times like these. Thank you for that song, brother. Oh, friend, listen. The coronavirus has knocked the self-sufficiency out of the world. One little germ, one little cell, has closed bars, sports events, I mean championships, thousands of dollars, NBA, NHL, and major league ball, and to some, that's their God. If you don't believe it, they put their kids in a uh, leagues on Sunday and don't come to church so they can be a great ball player. Folks, the banks are closing. Uh, the theme parks, millions of dollars each day. Lost because we can't go to Disney World. Airlines, cruise ships, all to a halt that shows the power of this virus. And folks, I believe it can show the power of God trying to tell us we need him. We need revival. We need a great awakening. And folks, we need to realize that God in his power Will never leave us or forsake us, and in His power, He gives us power to be content, to to have joy in all these diverse tribulations and trials. The Bible says we should have joy, and we ought to have wisdom and wisdom to not waste this trouble, not waste this time. There's a lot of people; that's not they're going to get over this just like they did nine one one. They're going to get over it. They're going to get over it and they're not going to come back to church. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. This ought to drive us to come to God and stay with God the rest of our life and count our blessings every day and realize that nothing can separate us from the love of God and the power of God. Number three, this virus or any tribulation can never separate us from His protection. Look at verse 21. It says, Far above all principalities and powers and might, Ephesians 1.21 now, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that is to come. It says, and he had put all things under his feet, listen, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all and in all. What's that saying? That's saying God's God's in control, and God's still on the throne, amen? And folks, he is still... God and he's still Lord and you don't make him Lord you yield to him as Lord because he's still Lord he's Lord and folks I want to tell you something he's Lord over all the devils and demons of hell and that gives me great comfort today to know that God is still God and he's still Lord and so he, I, I'm, I'm trusting in the unseen hand I'm trusting in his power and no virus No crisis, nothing can separate me from the power of God. Then fourthly, I believe there's nothing that can separate us from the peace of God. I believe nothing can separate us from the peace of God if we'll choose to believe. Look at verse 2, Ephesians chapter 1, real quick. It says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, grace be to you and peace. Folks, when you have the grace of God active in your life, he gives you peace. You know, a lot of people worried. And I, I know rightfully so you ought to be concerned, but you should not stay awake all night worrying about this virus because you're going to be so sleepy the next day uh, you're going to miss something. But I want to tell you something, friend. A lot of people worry themselves sick. And, folks, the Bible tells us in uh, Philippians, uh, just next door to our text, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, that we should be careful for nothing. That means we shouldn't worry about a thing. Now, I don't think we ought to be flippant. I don't believe we ought to be noncompliant and rebellious towards authority and just do what we want to do because in the name of God, we can get away with it. No, I think we ought to be careful for nothing. And that means we're not fearful. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. But that sound mind is also a submissive mind. Amen? But it's also a spiritual mind, and it's like Christ. And folks, it says, and listen to this, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about a thing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. Here's the power of prayer. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep, that means garrison, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Folks, listen. You can have the peace of God if you choose to. Even in the midst of the storm. Or you can fall apart. You can have a nervous breakdown. Even a Christian can do that. The Bible says, "I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. We ought to keep our minds stayed on Jesus. John 14, 27 says, He gives us peace, peace that the world cannot give us. Give I unto you. But I love John 16, 33. One year I was having such a trying year that this was my new life verse for the year. John 16, look at it. Verse 33. These things, you with me? You're there, I'll wait on you. Alright, you got it. Amen, I can look in your homes and see that you're you're opening that Bible to John 16, This is really odd. It says in verse 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have what? Say it, class, peace. In, this, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Trouble is inedible, but misery is an option. If you want to be miserable, that's your option. If you want to fall apart, that's your option. you want to worry all the time, that's your option. But I'll tell you, we have another option. Trust God. Trust Him. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Concerning you. And then let me just say, last but not least, I don't believe and I know that this virus, this tribulation, this crisis that we're going through worldwide cannot separate us from His presence. Now and in eternity. Look at verse 18, Ephesians 1. I love this chapter, don't you? The ladies are going to start a study on this when we get back together. And it's going to be wonderful. You ought to get a book and be a part of that. And I thank God for those ladies' prayers. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says this, The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of His calling. What the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. We have an inheritance. Look at verse 21. Far above all principalities and powers and might, and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but listen, but also in that which is to come. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. Heaven. Heaven. Blessed assurance, Jesus mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory is mine. Heaven can be summed up in three thoughts. God gave me this Friday morning. Number one, no more. Revelation 21, 4 says, there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more virus. There'll be no more coronavirus. There'll be no more pandemic. There'll be no more uh, of this flu and and this cancer and all this going around. Folks, listen, it's going to be a wonderful place and there's going to be no more. No more death. Thank God for that. No more good nights. No more goodbyes. And then, not only is the phrase, there's three phrases that the Lord gave me, no more, but also much more. Heaven's going to be much more. Philippians 1.21 says to live, to live is Christ, to die is gain. The Bible says in Philippians 1.23, it's a far better place. Amen? I mean, there's no words to describe how wonderful heaven's going to be. And then there's one other thought, forevermore. There's no more. There's much more. But in heaven, there's going to be forevermore. To be with Christ for all eternity. There's a lot of uncertainty today. There's a lot of uncertainty going around. But I'm certain of this one fact. Because I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. I want to leave, I want to leave you this verse. I wish you'd memorize it during your exile, during your uh, uh, time of isolation, during your time, and I don't mean to be flippant at all, during this time that you're taking care of your family by having some social distance, distance. John 5, 24. Verily, verily. That means truly, truly. I, Jesus speaking now, saying to you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him, not just about him, and not just about a doctrine or dogma, but on Jesus. He says, and he that believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but has passed from death unto life. It says, shall not come into condemnation. Some churches falsely preach insecurity of the believer, that you can lose your salvation. That low rates the blood of Jesus. That low rates the death, burial, and resurrection. And it low rates the gift of eternal life. Because eternal life means eternal life. And thank God, friend, nothing. No virus. No sickness. No tribulation, no trial, no devil, no flesh, no world crisis can separate you from the fact that if you're born again and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, one day you're going to be in His presence. I love this song. I'll not sing it. Maybe Brother Randy could, but this is a beautiful song. It's Until Then. And it goes like this. My heart can sing when I pause to remember. A heartache here is but a stepping stone. A heartache here is but a stepping stone along a path that's winding always upward. This troubled world is not my final home. The things of earth will dim and lose their value. Well, we've had some value rearrangement during this time, haven't we? The things of earth will dim and lose their value. If we recall they're buried for a while, And things of earth that cause this heart to tremble, remember, there will only bring, remember, there will only bring a smile. But until then, my heart will go on singing. But until then, my heart will go on singing. Until then, with joy I'll carry on. Until the day my eyes behold my Savior. Until the day God calls me home. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful chapter. And thank you, dear God, for the opportunity through our media ministry to bring this to several homes and hearts that probably needed some encouragement this morning. And I pray that this message has been just that. An encouragement. An encouragement to realize that there's nothing, nothing, including this virus, that can separate us from the divine purpose that you've given us to be like you to your praise and glory. To have the power of God to have protection, to have peace, and yes, to have your presence. Lord, thank you for the blessing of being yours. And thank you for the blessing of being right in the middle of God's perfect will, even when we can't figure things out. And when we feel so down and out because our schedule has been totally erupted. Lord, please help us to trust you. Increase our faith. Increase our faith, God, in you this morning. And through this crisis, may we have your Spirit take over in our life, control our life, fill our life to overflowing that we might experience the earnest, the down payment of heaven, your peace, your purpose, your presence. So Lord, I pray this message has been a blessing. And I pray that if there's one that's not saved, that's listening to this message, that they'd bow right where they're at and get saved. Lord, I pray that You'd help them to realize that death could come to all of us in several ways. We could be taken out of this world in a twinkle of an eye, even at the rapture, which I believe will come very soon. But Lord, please, pray that someone, Lord, would get under conviction this morning by the Holy Spirit and realize they're a sinner and realize they need to be saved and realize that they can trust You right where they're at, right where they're listening, then make it public and be publicly baptized and, and join a church and, and <clears throat> serve You the rest of their life. But Lord, it all starts with a simple sinner's prayer. A heart of repentance. Lord, giving their life back to You, which You deserve. So Lord, please, use this message for the salvation of souls. And Lord, please, use this message to encourage Your saints. We're going to praise You and thank You for all that You do in and through this message. And Lord, before we close in prayer, Lord, would You please be with our friend, Brother Kenny Baldwin. And God, please, help our, our preacher friend recover this COVID-19 and God that you'd help his church up in Washington, D.C. Lord, I pray for everyone that's suffering. We thank you for the miracle uh, that you did in Abernathy's life down in Cartersville. God, we thank you, dear Lord, for many prayers being answered. And Lord, we pray for those that have this virus, that you'd watch over the nurses and the doctors and the first responders and all those that are risking their lives to minister and take care of these that are come down with this virus. Lord, please help them. And please, God, help our country turn back to you. And help all of us to fall more in love with you and have personal revival. And we'll thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.